You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host Jade Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Hoopers family. Coming to you moments after a heart-wrenching loss to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, 90, was it 93-91 I think in the end? I don't have that in front of me, yeah. but it was it was a painful one. Um not a good showing from the quote-unquote big three. Another good defensive showing. I am here with Tyler Metcalf, Kane Supers contributor, hashtag basketball, and No Ceilings, the new draft website and new draft Twitter account, which is really good. Um, tell me, before we get into the game, just, just give me a little rundown on No Ceilings because I haven't spoke to you about it and I'm excited to kind of hear what, what your perspective is is on it since you're kind of at the center of it. Yeah. Um, so I, mean, I guess you could kind of say that we, we took a lead from you and uh, are trying to form our own thing over on Substack. And um, it's me and a, a couple guys that I'm sure fans will recognize from draft Twitter. And we're just trying to do something cool and interesting and creative and informative in the draft world that, we don't really think is out there right now, um, at least on a really consistent year-long basis. So, I mean, there's like a group of like six or seven of us. So, the goal is to kind of be cranking out content constantly, uh, three, four, five times a week. Um, and we started with conference previews this last week. We'll have more stuff going this week, and just really excited to kind of get into the season and really dive as deep as humanly possible into this upcoming draft class uh, with a ton of written work. And then as we continue to find our voice and our audience, we'll continue to really dive into uh, video breakdowns and podcasts and stuff like that. So looking to expand out into a bunch of mediums and with a a group of some really really smart people. Um, So yeah, definitely go check out No Ceilings on Substack and Twitter. will have uh, so, some really great stuff throughout the season that I'm really confident and excited about. Yeah, I'm excited for it as well. If you listen, you know that both of us really love our draft stuff and you're much better at it than me. And the guys that are doing it over there are really, really smart people when it comes to the draft. So yeah, go check that out. Hopefully, we don't have to worry too much about the top of the draft this season <laughs> as Minnesota fans. I know that it kind of feel doesn't feel that way right now. Um, turning our attention back to the game, let's let's start with the negatives because it was a loss, and we can get them out the way and then kind of speak on some positives. The first thing I guess that that stands out and has surprisingly stood out all season is the half court offense. Uh, again, yeah. pretty bad tonight. 
what what is it like do you have do you know what do you have an idea of what is going wrong or is it just missing shots like like where are you at with it so i i think some of it is just missing shots currently um but i mean like towns went a good stretch in the middle of the game from where he didn't have a field goal attempt from like the first end of the first quarter to like the middle of the third, which is inexcusable. Um, I know he sat a decent amount of that time, but still, he's one of the best offensive players in the league. You gotta find him shots. Anthony Edwards is he was at least tonight more of that ant we saw in three fourths of that second Pelicans game where he's just kind of disappearing on offense and settling for jumpers and not finishing at the rim uh the Timberwolves missed a ton of layups tonight again um and you know I I think Jaden McDaniels has been brilliant defensively this year yet again um his shot is just not falling at all and then he's one for seven again tonight and that's been a really common theme and then turnovers just Guys yeah. not ready to catch the ball, passes being a foot out in front of guys, guys not paying attention when that ball swings back towards them, um, and you know I, they're they're turning the ball over at a pretty unsustainable rate at this point. It's, it seems clunky, man. Like if Cat Edwards and and Russell don't have it, you're not gonna you're not going to win. But even if one of those guys don't have it, it, it kind of feels like there's just not enough offense. Like, yeah. if McDaniels can't hit his threes, it was 0-4 tonight again. Um, Malik Beasley obviously had a really good game, but but I think Finch is struggling a little bit with himself of when to play Beasley and when to sit him. Um, and then you have like you have Pat Beverly, Josh Cody, Nas Reed, Torian Prince seems lost in the offense at the moment, and yeah, Vando as well. Yeah, like there's a, it's almost, it's strange because before the season it hasn't been much of the season and and it's still a small sample size. But now that you look at the roster, it almost makes sense that they're playing better defense than offense because mm-hmm. like there's so many defenders on the team and they're playing really well and the bench is playing really well, um, but the offense is really really reliant on all those three guys: Towns, Russell, and Edwards playing well. Uh, I thought all three of them were bad tonight. Edwards obviously had a really poor game. I think he settled too much, and I think, I think even worse than him settling is he he kind of seemed snake bit at the end of the game just to take a, a shot in general. Um, there was that one play where they kind of swung it to him, and he had a mid range open mid range jumper, which I would expect him to take, even if it's not a shot that I love. And he ended up driving and turning it over. Um, the the last play of the game, we were just talking about it before we got on air. That that's just a one of those plays. A shot clock goes off and almost fires from half court, so he has to pass. I think if the shot clock doesn't go off, he probably drives himself and and has a yep. step on Barton as well. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I think Finch is still running really nice actions. Um, mm-hmm. But it just it seems like it's it's hard when they're almost playing three on five offensively at all times and and Jaden can't hit a shot so um, they got to figure it out man it, it, it's something I'm getting flamed right now on Twitter because I criticized D'Angelo Russell but I don't <laughs> think he I don't think he was the worst of the three tonight but I think he is the reason why it seems to not work as much because he has the ball in his hands so often 
and he, he calls his own number so often and and makes careless plays and kind of does things like that. I think that he's obviously better than what he's playing right now, but I don't know. That, that, that dynamic of those three just doesn't seem to be clicking at all. Yeah, so I, I, I disagree with you a little bit on Russell, um, but he really seems to be forcing the playmaking aspect of his game uh, this season, and it's I, I think they're, they're really still trying to work out that balance between those three guys, and a lot of his turnovers seem to be stemming from him overpassing and trying to, you know, make that extra pass when he just has a 10-foot floater that he could throw up or an open three that he could knock down. And I think he's kind of, it really looks like he's in his own head a lot of the time about that because, and in the long run, I think that's a little more encouraging um, because you can tell that he wants the offense to flow and that he's really buying in and wants to play this role and wants to get guys involved and doesn't want to just have the stigma of hanging over him of being just like this ball dominant shooting guy. Um, but he has yet to really find that balance and it's resulting in a lot of his turnovers, which I, I think are pretty avoidable. Um, but yeah, and just the, it seems like tonight there were a lot of really good cuts and guys just dropping the ball too. And that's just a a symptom of just not being ready or anticipating it, which I don't get because this isn't the first season. A lot of these guys are playing with cat and he'll deliver these weird shovel passes or over the shoulder passes. And the fact that they're not ready for him um, really surprises me. Uh, McDaniels had one down the stretch uh, and cut cut from the weak side and he couldn't, scoop up a ball either um but yeah that 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 aspect is just really strange to me that they're not really clicking on that end and it seems like they're almost trying not to step on each other's toes too much yeah it's a good point about D'Lo is that I don't think it's him in general that he can't play with these guys I think that he's just like you said caught in two minds of whether he should be himself, which is a, a store first guy who who can make good plays for others, or if he should be the guy who makes plays for others all the time. Um, and mm-hmm. it feels like he's he's making the wrong decision more often than not. But like you said, in in almost in an encouraging way, because you want him to be to have those things in mind. You want him to have Cat and D'Lo in mind, Cat uh, and Ant, sorry, in mind. But right now, it just feels like when he should shoot, he's passing, and when he should pass, he probably he he shoots. And when the shot is dropping, it it works better. Not just because of the obvious that he shot that that the shot is dropping, but because I think then he starts to make the decisions quicker, and, and he knows when he can shoot, he's going to hit that shot, and he and he doesn't overthink it. And then Towns, Towns has been really like Towns has been really good so far this season. I think. Mm-hmm. Aside from some of the early kind of men- that, mental, that yeah, the the mental uh, demons that I guess he was he was battling with the refs. He he's been really good the last two games with the refs, but tonight he just seemed like he couldn't get going. All three of them couldn't get going, and and they're not going to win games like that. And the the positive of that, I guess, is that like they were still in this game against Denver and against a Jokic that that was playing really well. The defense kept them in it. Um, 
is there another thing that stood out to me to uh, to you tonight? Sorry, that was uh, a true negative. I I don't think so. I mean, Torian Prince was pretty disappointing, and I mean that showed with only getting eight minutes tonight. Um, some of the lineups that Finch was running out in the third quarter, I thought were were really puzzling. Um, but I think a lot of that had to do with McDaniel's and Vanderbilt getting in foul trouble or kind of foul trouble um, there. But there were some of those like deep bench lineups where it's like there isn't a single person out here who can create a foot of space if they need to. Um, But I I think that was a symptom more of guys getting in foul trouble and the regular rotation and just needing to put someone in for a few minutes. But I mean, when, when, you hold Denver to 24% from three, and they only lost the rebounding battle by one. That That's just a pretty inexcusable loss, um, especially with Jokic, who's not apparently 100%, although he, he looked fine tonight. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, they, they did a great job on Michael Porter, who was 3 of 14, and they did an awesome job of running guys off the three-point line. The defense looked good. Is just the half court offense and the the transition defense in the first half too was pretty appalling. They were multiple four on one breaks and Denver just missed an open corner three. Um, and if that doesn't get corrected going forward, then I, I I think they could be in some some serious trouble because we saw that all last year too. Yeah, you you need guys who can create shots, man. Like that, that's you know, you, we're going back to to talking about draft talk. That's one of the, the things that you look for in these star caliber caliber players is guys who can create their own shot, and they have three of them on the roster. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's enough, and it's so strange because we came in thinking that the offense is going to be really good and the defense wasn't, and. Yeah, like I said before, now it kind of seems obvious that with those three guys, you're going to have nights that you really struggle in the half court because you don't have enough guys who can create. And like you said, then you end up with lineups in the third quarter that have no one who can create for themselves. And you can win those minutes through through defense and through cutting and through good actions from Finch to get open looks for, for spot-up shooters. But it doesn't always work like that. You need a guy who can do do it themselves and, and Denver have those guys and, and they couldn't do it either. I think tonight was one of the few, like Minnesota have held almost every team to poor shooting nights from, from mm-hmm. deep. But this was the the first one where I thought like they genuinely just didn't give open shots all night. I think the, the, there's other games, the Pelicans game and the, um, what game am I trying to think of? I'm losing track of my uh, mind. Who did they play last game? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah, I knew that. I've literally <laughs> wrote about it and watched the game three times. Um, Milwaukee had open shots all night and yeah. they missed them. I think Denver tonight, they they contested everything and they, like you said, they ran them off the line a lot. And like that's super encouraging, but you need to be able to score over 100 points at the other end. Um, point blank. You can't, if you can hold a team to 90, 93 points, that's awesome. But you need to be able to score 110 points to be a good team in the NBA. Um, Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Moving on, we'll move on to some positives because that's what we're all here for. We want to we want to forget that the Timberwolves just lost the heartbreaker. I'm going to start with Patrick Beverly and Josh Atoji on the court at the same time is my favorite thing at the moment. I know jo- I know JO didn't play last game, but like that the bench lineups tonight were so awesome defensively yeah. and like yeah they don't they don't create space for themselves, but like Pat Bev, Josh Atoji and then Na- when Nas Reed didn't kind of be the tent pole of that that offense. That's a fun trio, man. And and then you got Malik out there hitting shots, which was nice to see, but but yeah, I think the Pat Beverly Josh Atoji Jared Vanderbilt trio of guys who can play as the low man and at the point of attack. Um, that might that's that's what's keeping the defense afloat. And then you have obviously McDaniel's in the starting lineup who does a little bit of everything as well. But yeah, I I really want to make note, and I I think when I was writing my notes, I wrote it about four different times that whenever Jo and Pat Bev are on the tour together, the Timberwolves are good, and it's been that way all season. Yeah, and I I, I generally hate single game plus minus um when people try and make outlandish points with it but well that's what i'm getting flamed with right now about d'angelo russell because he was a plus 10 in the game and i and i yeah but but so but to further your point okogi plus 18 nasreed plus 15 pepev plus 10 um and that yeah they 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 were really good tonight and they kind of have been all season which is really encouraging going forward and the fact that the Timberwolves were able to turn Wancho and Culver into <laughs> Pe- Pe- Pepev is pretty absurd uh the you know the more you think about it and the immediate impact that we see Beverly having on this team with their mindset the way he's chirping at guys and holding people accountable and I think it's at the end of the third quarter where uh the ball got kicked out to Okogi and he like shot faked and like a couple times and tried to do like a jab step to throw the defender off and then chucked <laughs> up an air ball three and Papev starts gyrating these shot fake motions. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Just shoot the damn ball. Yeah. And I, I think that stuff is really good and something that this team was really missing um, from a more, you know, on the court aspect. I mean, the, the way he, avoid screens is just beautiful um i i know you wrote about that during the off season and that that was a really fun piece and just seeing it immediately translate and it just takes so much pressure off the rest of the defense because they don't have to over worry on helping and recovering and they can stay a little tighter on their man because that having to tag that roller and then recover or scramble um the just the likelihood and frequency of the rest of the team having to do that is just completely minimized because Beverly is 
so infrequently out of position as to the point of attack defender. Yeah, and it just it's the the foundation of that whole defensive system because then Towns or Nas can show and recover quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to have Towns out there doubling the ball handler pretty much or, or kind of trapping the ball handler to wait for for a Russell or a, or a Malik Beasley or even an Anthony Edwards to get back in the play. Uh, he and it's just the little things like it's the things that you can't even explain. There was one tonight where they. They swung the ball around the horn and he got a finger. He kind of like swiped down on a shooter before they went up for the shot. And it was in a moment where Denver had the momentum as well. And he swiped down on the ball and got the steal before, I think it might have been Michael Porter Jr., as he brought the ball back down to shoot. Like it's just those tiny things that, like, I, I guess that is in the box store as a steal. But all night he does these little things that are just ridiculous. Like, and over and over again, um, how long can he play 22 minutes for and not 28? Is he capable of playing 28 or 30? Or is he just, is his body kind of past that point? I, I, I think he's past that point. Um, or at least I would continue treating him like he's past that point to ensure that he makes it to the end. Yeah, well, you need, you'd rather 22 minutes a night than 30 minutes for 40 games. Exactly. And he, he he's just one of those guys that doesn't play all 82 games because he always gets hurt because of the way he plays and you know it's it's a give and take with that and i if he's out there for two minutes or 30 the intensity level is going to be the exact same um at every game and i I really appreciate that about him and and he's still doing all the annoying stuff that's (laughs) you know that he's always done throughout his career but that's what's got him to this point um but I I think that that twenty to twenty five minute range is pretty perfect for him, um, with you know a few off nights here and there just to make sure that he's good and can make it to the finish line. Because if if he goes down, I I think that hurts him pretty significantly because he's not a negative on offense either, and we've seen that with his three point shooting. I think. It's surprise. It's one of those things where you know about a player until you can't, but you don't really know about them until you watch them every game, and you know about the defense. I'm I'm surprised at how well he runs an offense. I not he. I don't think he's at, like he's not D'Angelo Russell. He can't create his own shot, but he really makes the right read a lot. Um, really good at skip passes to the corner out of pick and roll, and really good at passing to the roll man as well. And that's they're both things especially when they had uh the town's nas minutes tonight which kind of fluctuated between awesome and horrible within about <laughs> a four minute stretch but when when pat bev was out there with those guys and you had you had them kind of make he had him making reads out of pick and roll i was super impressed and it's not the first time this season that i've been impressed with his passing and it's something that we haven't seen him do for the last two three years in la because Kawhi and PG have done right. 90% of the initiating. He's, yeah, he's his entire role there was to shoot off the catch and play defense. And just that, the way he has run the pick and roll and set guys up for those corner threes and stuff, um, it, it has been really impressive. And another thing defensively is even when he doesn't avoid the screen or and the the screener drags him off and forces the switch 
he he doesn't panic. He has he does such a good job of leveraging his size and getting under the guy and forcing them out or just holding his own. And it's not that typical. Oh, got we got the center switched on the point guard. Just feed it down and. They didn't, get, one post up tonight. They didn't get one. They didn't get yeah. one. They didn't get one. Jokic on Beverly post up tonight, and I reckon they no. switched f- at least four or five times. And he just, like you said, holds his own, waits for waits for another strain or something to come, and then quickly kind of gets kicked out of there by Towns or Nas. And that's literally the best thing, you, the like the best way you can handle that because he'll fight and he'll claw and he'll scratch as a if they do get it down to, to Jokic. But the best case scenario is that you just. Don't let them get it there, and you and you fight hard to to get out of there and get out of there safely. And he he's so good at that. He. The other thing with Bev is, I've just kind of finished semi ripping on D'Lo, but that's when D'Lo tonight. That's when D'Lo's at his best. When he's at his best so far, when he's playing with Beverly, um, yeah. and that's the opposite of what you just said with. With last season and the season before, it's been all about Kawhi and, and PG and and how to get Beverly kind of just playing off the ball and then guarding um, point guards or, or, or small guards on defense. But it's the opposite now because they they want D'Lo off the ball and Pat Bev to do the the ball handling. And that's I think that's when D'Lo's at his best. And I think that's where my frustrations at the moment lie with Russell because when he's on the court with Ant and Cat, he seems to be more on the ball than when he's on the floor with Pat Bev. And, like, I just want D'Lo off the ball all the time. I want him, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's not a knock on him because I think he's just really good off the ball. Yeah, And yes. I think that, that he's playmaking. It's not that he, I want him just to shoot. I want him to catch off the, sh- off, like, I want him to make plays off the catch and, and make plays in secondary actions and, and in broken floor situations. And that's, I think that's where he's at his best. I think when it's when it's top of the key kind of, try and find space for eight seconds and then get into the paint and he doesn't want to shoot because he doesn't really like to shoot around the rim and he wants to make a play for others. That's when things get a bit hairy. And I don't know. I, I, I love I love the Beverly and Russell pairing as much as I do the Beverly and a Cody pairing because I think, I think tonight they were playing like Russell, Beverly, a Cody, Prince and Nas as kind of the the core bench unit, like they would have, they would bring Russell back in with the bench unit, which they've been doing a lot this season, and and I really like that. And I think tonight they were in this game because the bench was was really mm-hmm. holding up its end of the bargain. And then you had Malik in with the starters, and he was getting open looks because of Edwards and, and Towns and the, and the gravity they. They suck towards them, so I really like that dynamic. I just think that that it, there's a lot to work out in terms of half court offense. Yeah, and the the bench held up their end of the bargain. The defense was really good again. I mean, holding Denver to ninety three points is a really good night, but when none of Ant Towns or Russell can break fourteen points, they're not yeah. going to win. It's it's just yeah. not going to happen unless somehow Malik Beasley goes for forty, which yeah. I'm not going to hold my breath on. Um, even <laughs> though he, I, I thought he was excellent tonight. Um, but, he kept them in it. He kept them in it multiple times where they they yeah. really needed a bucket, and and Beasley was there. He was the next guy I wanted to bring up. Like, yeah, I thought he was awesome tonight, and I think that 
this was a nice little tarot dangling in front of him that if you can hit your shots, you'll play 27 minutes. You yep. won't play 16, 17 minutes. You'll play 27. You'll get time with the starters. I think he closed the game as well. Oh, he did close the game because yep. he missed that layup at the end, which was awesome. An awesome play from Will Barton. Like, yeah, was. <laughs> as much as I want to say, you know, Malik should have done this, I should have done that. Like, sometimes you just got to tip your cap to a guy who made a fucking awesome defensive play. Like, yep. and somehow managed to be blocking Malik and not have his foot out of bounds all within the space of like a <laughs> millisecond from Barton. It was, that was awesome. So uh, I loved Malik games tonight, Malik's game tonight. And I loved the way Finch used him. He, the way Finch has used him all season is really a testament to the, the way Finch can run plays to get shooters open. They haven't, he hasn't got the plaudits for it so far because Malik hasn't been able to throw a rock in the ocean, but like, you, every single one of those threes came off really good action, and that's if he starts hitting them, that really kind of alleviates some of the pressure on this half court offense. Yeah, um, it, it really feels like Beasley is much more comfortable running off screens and shooting than just being a spot up guy. And yeah. I feel he's had a handful of stuff, like specifically before tonight, specifically run for him, but. It really, I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but it, it feels like he's been asked to mostly just stand on the corner or the weak side and, you know, relocate accordingly and knock down, basically stand still, catch and shoot jumpers. And tonight, he was constantly run through screens, and mm-hmm. he has some of, some of the best shot preparation footwork in the league, and it's I think I think it helps him just get in that rhythm. And in one of the sets, they continuously ran tonight or ran a couple times for him tonight. Um, was that they set up in like Chicago or Miami action, and then they set up like a stagger screen for him on the baseline, and then yeah, I've been calling he, it. He, sta- he I've been calling it. it staggered staggers because I don't really know what okay. it is because he kind of comes off a double pin down. Yeah. Um. At all, like and, a, yeah, like or a Chicago. And, and then he, he goes from one corner, from the weak side corner to the strong side. Yeah. And if his defender goes over, he settles deeper in the corner. If his defender trails him, he goes up more towards the wing. And I mean, he he reads that he has such a good feel for that play specifically and how to get organized in the corner. And he knocked down two just beautiful wide open threes because of how he reorganized his body in the corner. It was it was it's so much fun watching him run off screens. Yeah, there's another play they run for him, which they've they've been running for him all season and getting him open looks all season that he hadn't knocked down to tonight, where he kind of comes up from from the elbow, sets a town, uh, sets a screen for Towns or for for Nas, who he kind of screens them open so they can go screen on the ball, and then Beasley after he sets that screen kind of floats into the paint and then jets back out into the corner and gets an exit screen coming out. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it's like a cross, a cross screen into an exit screen, um, and it's just a beautiful action, man. And again tonight, same thing. I think he, he, he one of those hit two off those, yeah, staggered staggers, and then um, hit a couple where he just kind of gets like a quick, a quick off ball cross screen, and and can just jet up on, onto into the slot and hit a shot. Like he can. That's the thing with him is I don't think he's been playing awfully. I think he's just been not hitting shots. Um, and I've always been pretty confident that those shots were going to fall because he doesn't do much else if he's not hitting shots offensively at least. Um, 
But I've been really impressed with his defensive buying as well. Yeah. Like, I think it shows that he was in that system in Denver. Um, and he seems more comfortable with it. And he still makes mistakes. He closes out terribly. He's got, I don't think he, yeah, he's got horrible closeout technique. But like, he's trying really hard and he's really doing things that the scheme dictates that he does. Um, I've been super impressed with Malik kind of all season while also acknowledging that he's on the surface been pretty bad most, most games, if that makes sense. And, well, yeah, so and I, I think he's been bad because his shots haven't been falling, and I think part of that is just trying to adjust to a role that he probably didn't expect to mm-hmm. have, you know, a few months ago. And I, I've i been so impressed with his defense and his off or his his weak side, his ability and commitment to playing that low man role where he's tagging the lane and running um, and re- recovering to guys in the corner. And he's not good at closing out, but he's running those guys off the three-point yeah. line. Yeah. And he's forced like four or five turnovers with guys stepping as they try and drive past him, but either they travel or step out of bounds. There's and... just so much more wiggle room to be a bad closeout guy in this system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you can just run them off the, off the line, exactly. you have the paint you is packed with defenders. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in the drop coverage, it was just really obvious that like if they if you run someone off the line, now they're just going downhill at just towns, and that that just creates more problems for the team and creates more problems for Cat who who wasn't able to deal with that downhill force to begin with. And now it's kind of like, well, there's two or three guys in the paint already. If you run, if you want to get skipped to the weak side, if you can just run them off the line, kind of the other side of the court now becomes the low man. And now you have like an Anthony Edwards or a Jaden McDaniels who can rotate from that side. Um, so as much as I still think he needs a heap of work on his closeout technique to become a guy who can just stop you from running off the line almost and just get in, get in front of someone and, kind of stop the play, slow the ball down. Um, he, he's He's got much more insulation this season to be a bad closeout guy. His buy-in to that role is so important for this team going forward because if if he reverts to that unorganized chaos that we saw last year where the, the energy's there, but it's detrimental to the scheme because he's just flying all over the place and not really accomplishing anything, and that's what I worried about before tonight, where they were essentially just asking him, hey, for 15 minutes, go stand in the corner and try and knock down threes yeah. when, when yeah. they get kicked to you. But if you're actually continuously running him off screens or running four, four or five sets for him a night, I think that really helps encourage him to continue to buy into that defensive mm-hmm. discipline. And he's even shown an improved feel or basketball IQ on the offensive end too where once he comes off that screen he's not just immediately chucking regardless of where his defender is he's either making the extra pass or trying to drive and dump and it's been really really impressive towards the end of this game he came off a pin down screen towards the top of the key the defense kind of collapsed on him and he just kicked it back to the left wing and D'Lo knocked down that open three. And I, I would be shocked if he would have done that last season. And that's coming And that's when he's got six threes in his pocket. Right. Like, right. like he probably had the, the lenience from the coaching staff to fire that because he'd been hitting it, but he makes the right play anyway. And 
I think just making I think they're making the right play as a team a lot. I just think that sometimes the shots aren't going in, and it, yeah. and it's and it seems to be like everyone's in like a mini slump or or in a roller coaster type season right now, um, and it's tough to watch, but it's encouraging because I don't think that'll continue, and especially with Malik, I would be I, I would be shocked now if he goes back to shooting one of five for the next mm-hmm. five games. He seems like like. Edwards and Russell are kind of the same where I think that they can go on 10 game stretches of being really hot um, and, and in a game. All three of those guys, which is both encouraging and concerning that, that all three really need to see one shot go through before and then they can hit five, six, seven threes. Like, but then there's the games that they don't go in. <laughs> and tonight was yeah. one of those ones. D'Lo couldn't hit a shot early and missed a bunch of layups that he'd normally hit. Um, Cat's kind of different to that. I think Cat can just hit shots all game. Cat can, can miss five shots and then hit five straight after it, or he can, you know, miss one, hit one all game. I don't think mm-hmm. he really gets in his own head about hitting shots because he knows that he will. But but D'Lo, Ant, and Beasley all I think need to hit their first one of their first three shots, or it's going to be a bad night. And that's concerning. But also, if they all hit their shots, you. you you're probably going to run teams out the gym with just those four. Yeah, and it, it yeah, it's it, it's been so frustrating, and that that hitting that first shot, I think, is an important note. And we didn't see that from Russell tonight, where his first shot looked like it was ninety percent of the way down, and yeah. decided to hop right back out, which and unfortunately has been a common like, theme. I think he ends up hitting like five of seven, maybe, if I'm trying to read that correctly in the second half, because I think he started one of seven, finishes six of 14, um, six of 15, sorry, so five of eight. And like, that's the problem is that in that first half, it can change so much between hitting one shot and, and missing one shot. And Ant is the same. Ant even more sometimes. I, I always feel like when Ant hits a three, like he might score 15 straight now even if he's having a bad yeah. night. Um, and tonight he couldn't hit a three at all. He's he been pretty close. Yeah, he, he, he's been pretty poor shooting all season. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll finish on Ant, I guess, a little bit before we get out of here. But it's been strange. I wrote about it. I wrote about his leadership today. Shameless plug to head over to housingrouse.substack.com. <laughs> sign up. Um, but... He, until this game, I haven't felt his shooting as much as a detriment to the team. I've always felt like even when he shot 8 of 23, he's had moments in the game where he was the best player. He's had moments in the game where where he was the leader on the floor, where you don't want to give Anthony Edwards a minute of space because he'll win the, the game if, if you do, or he'll lose you the game if you're the opposition. Um, tonight just didn't feel that way, and it culminated with that layup attempt at the end of the game which was just so disjointed and I don't know I haven't watched the replay but I don't know if he got hit from behind by Jokic I don't know if he just straight short armed it like he just got caught directly under the rim and tried to and they're, they're a hard day. shot man I miss a lot of yeah. those shots in pickup like, you well, think yeah, that it's you... the easiest shot and when you've got no momentum and you just kind of got to get it off quick and you um, have this bear breathing down your neck your right yeah. shoulder and fucking rumbling down the court Right. Yeah, and and when you've missed seven layups for the night and you've got no confidence, like it all just culminated in that, and and that's 
it, it was just a tough night for Ant. And I hope, using that same point, I hope that this isn't something that carries over into the next game. I don't really worry about it because Ant is such a kind of carefree dude where it's like, I just, and confident. I just feel like he knows that the next game he can score 30. Um, but yeah, it, it's a tough night for Ant, man. And I think it was, and I, I think these bad shooting nights are going to be more common than they aren't because I, I'm still not convinced that he's going to be this awesome three point shooter, despite mm-hmm. what yeah. he says. Um, and I believe he's putting in the work and all that stuff. Um, I just don't think his shot is at that level yet, but his whole impact comes from using that physicality and that force getting downhill and he just didn't do that tonight and the way he's we, we've seen him grow into this really dynamic pick and roll operator and there was very little of that tonight the way he early in the first quarter he had that really nice baseline drive where he planted his foot relocated essentially back into the middle of the lane dropped in a floater and he he essentially changed his positioning by five or six feet because he got downhill he used that change of pace and change of direction that was really the only time i can remember that he did that this game he had a couple of really nice layups where he finished through contact but he missed a bunch his hands weren't great on cuts and i can't off the top of my head remember a bunch of pick and rolls with cat where he got his defender on his hip leaned into him bounced Mm -hmm. off into space and dumped it back off to cat or pulled up for that 10 footer and we just didn't see him really look to penetrate the defense and he just settled a lot and tossed up a bunch of layups that seemed kind of half-hearted yeah, they they were layups that made you say, man, Ant should have hit that, but also layups that looked like they just really Denver. were like, yeah, yeah they, he didn't will them in as much as they didn't go in. And I thought Denver defended really well tonight. I think there were as much as the the Timberwolves missed shots and, and it, you know, the people on the Denver Paint Points podcast is probably saying the same thing about Minnesota right now that, <laughs> that you know, they, they defended really well and that's why they won. And I thought they did. I thought they guarded Cat really well. I thought they packed the paint on Ant really well, which seems to be the book right now, is that pack the paint, let him shoot. he has to figure out going yeah. forward because the he is effective running that pick and roll when his defender does go over. And when he's not hitting these shots like he was tonight, 0 for 6, I believe, from three then it makes the defender's life so much easier because they can go under and completely take away that driving lane so i i I don't think he needs to be this prolific shooter but if he can hit one or or just get downhill early and he he gets into prove it hesitant so far yeah he gets into like well like if you want to go under i'm gonna hit threes because i know i can hit threes and he he'll keep shooting and, to, and and I get what he says. I think he had that quote the other day where I was kind of like, well, like, I need to shoot to get guys to come out so I can drive. Mm-hmm. I've always he's thought, right. and he's right, but like, I want to see him drive right. and then get guys to come out and try and stop you from driving. Like, yeah. once, once it, you know, use the inside game to get your outside game going rather than vice versa. Um, yep. And totally it, agree. And he, he does get into prove it mode where it's like, 
I'm going to hit a three soon. I'm, I'm zero of five, but like I can shoot. So I'm going to keep shooting. And, and it's not a bad mentality, but nights like this, it, it doesn't feel good. And, and that mentality will win them a handful of games this season because exactly. he, will, he, he will get hot. He will go seven of 10 from three. And, and he's the only one who has that incredible. mentality on the team where it's like, I'm, yeah. I'll will, like, I will, will, will this team to a win because I'm good enough to do it. Uh, I which, think which that, we saw in the third quarter of that Pelicans game. Yeah. Where he and, just went nuclear. And we saw it at the end of the, the Bucks game where it's mm-hmm. like, I haven't shot well tonight, but like, I trust that I'm going to make a play now. And and that's why I consider him the kind of spiritual leader of this team. When Whereas Towns is the Towns is clearly the best player on the team. And I think that both of those guys have accepted and kind of embraced that role. I, I am still unsure where D'Lo fits into all of that, but I think it can work. Um, I don't know. It, I'm, I'm stuck between... There's issues that aren't just aberrations in the half court and in and the scoring package in, of in general of of all three of those guys, and then also thinking like they're also too good to score fourteen points a night and shoot yeah. sixteen of forty five combined. Like all you need is another five buckets from them and you win this game. If you can if you can hold out being literally the top five defense or and, and even let that drop to a 15th in defense i still think you're gonna win more games than you lose um but you can't let this become like a month-long trend of the half-court offense just being completely stuck in the mud i i I think that makes a lot of sense and if and just coming into the season none of us thought that these offensive and defensive ratings are going to look the way they're currently looking so <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it. I can't believe we're having this conversation about how the Timberwolves offense stinks and their defense right. is so good. Right. And they, they they've struggled. They've struggled so far this season offensively, but there there's just too much damn offensive talent on this team. And we saw it really last believe. season. It's like I know we only saw twenty odd games of all three, but like they were awesome offensively in those twenty games. It's not like we've never seen this version of the Wolves before and it can't work. Like Malik Beasley wasn't there, but he doesn't matter in terms of the half-court offense when he's not even on the court. Like, right. they will figure something out, even if it's not top 10 like we thought it might be. Like, if it's... But maybe the defense is better. Like, they're not going to be the worst half-court offense in the league. No. And so I, I have a lot of confidence that they're going to keep getting better offensively. And if they can keep this defensive rating, or this defensive effort and commitment, throughout the season, that's what I'm more fascinated by because I, I really think that the offensive woes are just slight m- miscommunications, guys trying to overemphasize a role they feel like they should be playing by trying to make too many plays instead of just making the easy play, and shots just not falling. They're going to fall. There's too much offensive talent on this team for them to not be a good, like, a at least above average offense. And if they can keep that defensive commitment, that's what I really want to see because it wouldn't surprise me if Ant's commitment to making those weak side tags falls off, if Beasley becomes more erratic with his defensive impact, 
if D'Angelo Russell becomes or starts dying on every screen again and doesn't really fight over. So if that stuff continues once we get to the game 20 and 30, then I'll, I'll, I'll be a lot more bought in that this defense is legitimate. And mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it right now because it, it has been something that I, I don't think anyone would have bet on or expected coming into the season. Yeah, well, that's the thing. At the end of the day, the, the caveat to all of this is that it's been five games and yeah. I'm never yeah. going to make a sweeping declaration of five games. But right now it's just like upside down, topsy-turvy Timberwolves. And uh, I don't I don't know what to make of it, but I do know that that, that they seem like they... I, I can't imagine them being blown out at the moment. Like, I don't know what team's going to blow them out because they seem to be playing so well defensively. Like, tonight is a game where they would get blown out last season because the offense didn't yeah. work. And when the offense doesn't work, they lose by 30. Um, yeah. They've got out of this Denver-Milwaukee uh, duo of games, one and one. I think we all would have taken that before. I, I wouldn't have expected it to be, to, to unfill the way that it did. Um but I'm, I would say overall I'm pretty happy with the team, although tonight was the most frustrating loss. I, I, I forget how frustrated I get in the early season because the team's not already out of the playoff race. Well, when there's a chance to actually be decent, um, losses are so much more frustrating. That Jimmy Butler <laughs> season, I was annoyed for 80 games straight. <laughs> <laughs> I hated. I hate having expectations. It it it's an unnatural feeling. It's, we're <laughs> yeah. not supposed to have them, but the bar's too low for that usually. Um, I if you the the three and two record right now feels disappointing because they very easily could and maybe should be five and zero, right? And which which is absurd to think about because. I mean, com- coming into the season, I didn't expect them to win either this game or the Bucks game. Mm-hmm. But last year's team or the teams of the past couple of years, they they would have blown that Milwaukee game at the end. They would have given up the fifteen point lead tonight and lost by twenty. They would have, well, they they would have split with New Orleans, which eh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> but it, it 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 just feels different. It. Which it does. It does. It feels different. Great, and that, that's great the, analysis there, but it, it's it the does. perfect way to put it, though. It just feels different. I'm not sure what the the difference is. I'm not sure how tangible the difference is going to be in 40 games, but it feels different right. in a way in a way that that is hard to put your finger on right now. Um, they got Orlando next, which is a nice little softball. They need to treat. They oh, can't no. treat it like a softball because. This I I did tweet this out that this is a game that that I've watched before where they lose a a heartbreaker when they're on a good when they're in a good moment and almost like things, against Orlando last season. yeah and things just unravel uh, against OKC you know a couple of years ago the the Jersey Tuck game like like this can't be a moment that we look back on in six months and say. If they had have maybe beaten Denver, they could have kept that run going for an extra ten games. Like they can't just they can't disappear. They cannot lose to Orlando because no. all the good vibes will just dissipate if they yeah, lose to Orlando. Um, especially if it's a game where Orlando put up like one thirty. 
you know, if it's a bad defensive performance. Uh, I just feel like I can feel a Cole Anthony 35-point game. A Jalen Suggs Minnesota revenge tour. Yeah, um, Suggs finally has a, a good offensive game. Yeah. But that's just the... I think that's just the years of, of pain talking. Those are our, our expectations. I mean, yeah. That, that's, that's where we feel comfortable. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we... We shall see. Um, in the end, uh, it was, yeah, just looking back on that game, it's going to be one that frustrates me for a while, but it's also not one where I think the, the bottom has fallen out of the team. No. It's just a few a few issues that kind of come back to bottom on the arse tonight. So um, we move on, and hopefully this isn't something that we look back on in months as a turning point. I, I, I don't think it'll be a turning point. Um, next no, game could be. I don't. That's yeah, right. yeah. Um, Losing but, to Denver is net isn't uh, a crisis point. Denver it, are a good it, team, it, and they've been good without Murray. Yeah, God, yeah. Like, yeah. The, I think when you look at it from the from a big picture lens, is that yeah, Denver are a good team. I expected them to beat Minnesota tonight. I'm frustrated at the way the game panned out, but. Um, that's what good teams do, like Denver. They win those games, and they've been winning those games for four or five years, and um, I'm not super disappointed, although, yeah, I, I can firmly say that, that there was some profanity in the <laughs> household tonight. <laughs> I don't think my girlfriend's overly happy with me, but um, hopefully we can turn that around against Orlando. Um, Tyler Metcalf. Yeah, I think we will. Yeah, Tyler Metcalf, Kane Supers. No ceilings. Go check out No Ceilings. Subscribe to the Substack. I'm just pushing sub- Substacks everywhere on this podcast. Mine, Tyler's, House and Drow's. It's free. It's it's free. free. Like, uh, and, uh, you know, getting, getting stuff just sent straight to your email. You don't have to go onto a website. Just, exactly. Just we, we look in your emails in the morning. Pretend you're at, wait, while you're at work, pretending to read work emails. Just read exactly. about basketball. It's awesome. Um, exactly. And obviously, Tainus Hoopers, the the great folks, our our friends at Tainus Hoopers. Thanks for coming on, man. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. No worries. And everyone else, I will see you next week. I know I was a bit late this way. I didn't do one last week. Life got in the way. But um, I will be back to weekly pods after this. And yeah, I'll see you then.